Hi, and welcome to Idaho Business Out Loud. I'm Liz Harbauer, and this episode is a counterpart to our upcoming Breakfast Series panel discussion on February 11th that's going to be focused on the topic of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. For this episode, I'm interviewing two separate people to talk about two different industries. The first interviewee is Kathy Silak of Holly Troxel. Kathy is the moderator for our upcoming panel discussion, and I am just so excited to hear her insights. She has had a remarkable career in the legal field here in Idaho and will have a lot to share. I've got great questions for her, and she has great questions for our panelists. After that, I'm going to sit down with our editor, Kim Burgess, to talk about diversity and inclusion in the journalism field. This is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. As a member of the LGBTQ community, finding a workplace that was inclusive has meant the world to me and really fostered my professional growth. And so it's a topic that I can't wait to hear about from our lineup of local experts and also to talk about with Kathy and with Kim. So join me now as I head over to Holly Troxel to speak with Kathy. Well, hi, Kathy. Thank you for taking time on your schedule to talk with us. I am really excited to hear your insights on the topic that we've got to discuss today and also at the breakfast series coming up. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I'm a practicing attorney here in Boise, Idaho at Holly Troxel, and before that I was the founding dean of Concordia University School of Law and also uh, a judge for 10 years on both the Idaho Court of Appeals and uh, the Idaho Supreme Court. So my area of practice is litigation, so I cover really lots of different areas including employment law. All right, so let me jump right into the questions. Um, what Right now, what's happening in terms of diversity-based lawsuits in Idaho? What can you tell us about that? Well, the Idaho Human Rights Commission is the primary agency of the state where if people do have complaints that they were discriminated against on the basis of race or their um, ethnicity or other factors, they would, they would go to that Human Rights Commission, which would conduct an investigation. So I don't believe these suits are more numerous here than in other states. There, and there are also, of course, sexual harassment c- complaints that are made, too. So the Human Rights Commission, they handle a lot of these? Uh... Yes, they would be the predominant one because um, on the federal level, it is the EEOC, which perhaps some of our listeners are more familiar with. But the Idaho Human Rights Commission performs that function on the state level and actually has some delegated authority from the EEOC. That's interesting. Um, so what comes to mind on that, along those lines is when you're in at-will state, how can you prove that a firing or lack of hiring was based on a diversity issue? That's an excellent question. So an at-will state means that typically employees in the state of Idaho are not on contract. So they don't they don't have a contracted right to their employment. So an employer, for example, could be downsizing or the employer might be restructuring. So so that employee might end up out of a job. But in some circumstances, there there might be a claim that the employee was let go for some reason that is protected under state and federal law, such as I was mentioning on, say, racial or ethnic categorizations. Um, In that case, it really, you know, they would have to prove that that was the dominant basis for the termination. And it can become very factually intense with um, a lot of oral testimony, for example, or, for example, um, records from the employer. Um, I haven't even mentioned disability rights, but of course that is another aspect too. So to kind of focus in on your industry, what's happening in terms of making Idaho lawyers more diverse? So one, one of the trends that I've seen over the course of my career in Idaho since the early 1980s has been that, that we are gradually becoming 
more diversified in terms of more women lawyers. So women lawyers in the state, when I first started practicing here, were very, very small in number. Uh, small, but you know, a good group of people, excellent mm -hmm. colleagues that I enjoyed very much. Um, legendary figures like Edith Miller Klein. So the, there are some just great women lawyers that have been here. My judicial colleagues, um, Justice Linda Koppel Trout, Judge Karen Lansing. So we've had wonderful women lawyers in the state for many, many years. Um, the number of attorneys of diversity is somewhat smaller, but nevertheless, it is a growing number. For example, there is an African-American judge in Canyon County. Uh, perhaps a lot of people may not know that. So, so I think as our state becomes more diverse, which is gradually happening, that will certainly um, enter the ranks of attorneys. So when I was dean at Concordia University, we, we and of course other law schools do this, try to make scholarships available and try to do you know, really good recruitment of students from the Hispanic, African American, Native American, and other um, ethnicities and races. So there's a lot of importance to reaching out, you know, not, not just sitting back and relying on these applicants to come to you. You know, it's, it's incumbent on the firms and the law schools to reach out to these types of lawyers or, or future lawyers. But by recruiting at a diversity of law schools, by really looking at the qualifications, uh, there are really no barriers that, that I think any of the firms put up. I think it's more a question of really seeking out uh, the diversity of the applicants. Do you have any advice to businesses trying to improve their recruitment and hiring processes? You know, I've been I've been engaged in this type of work really for a long time since the early or since the the 1980s when I worked at what was then Morrison Knudsen. So I remember at that corporation we had a wonderful HR department headed by an African American woman, and the philosophy was we must reach out to candidates, we must find the best qualified candidates, but make sure that that applicant. Uh, group includes people of color and people of diverse backgrounds. So I would say that making that effort to reach out, even if you have to um, maybe you know send out messages to other parts of the country, go to those other parts of the country, I think that's important. And it makes our own valley here, our own state here, uh, more diverse and I, I think therefore a more a more inclusive and more welcoming state. Absolutely, yeah. So to kind of uh, switch courses really quick, um, something that I want to talk about is at the words course. Legislators are proposing it again. How likely do you think that is to pass this year, and what effect will that such a law have on Idaho's LGBTQ community? It would have a terrific effect on the LGBTQ com community. I think that people are fearful of harassment. Um, I know I myself, as a woman, uh, in a profession, you know, if, if anyone seems to harass, you know, someone in my profession, it, it's, it's a source of great concern, and that can certainly happen to a, a variety of people. So adding the words, enshrining that in our statutes, that that type of discrimination and harassment is unlawful, would be enormously important. I do hope that the legislature takes this step um, it's hard to predict. I think when people become more and more familiar with people in the LGBT community, um, having friends, having family, um, then I think some of those barriers fall. But I think it's incumbent upon the citizenry to make it known to their legislators how important this issue is to them.
Um, so another question, we're just kind of rapid firing, I'm sorry, <laughs> is uh, how is Idaho's legal education going? Um, and how many lawyers do we have? How many lawyers do we need? I think Idaho's legal education is very vibrant. Um, we have two law schools here in Boise, in the Boise area, and I think that's helped enormously. Um, speaking for Concordia University School of Law, one of the accomplishments I am very proud of is our housing clinic, which helps low-income tenants. They provide free legal assistance to tenants who are facing eviction and other tenant-related oh, issues. Really it's really terrific. Uh, and the, the University of Idaho College of Law, I know, has outreach clinics. So what you see happening is that students preparing to practice law really gain experience in the profession by serving in these clinics and a variety of other opportunities. So I think, I think that experience-based learning is a really great aspect, plus it serves the community at the same time. And the same thing is going on in Moscow, Idaho, uh, where the University of Idaho is based. So I'm very proud of how our legal education is going in the state, and I would also note, I think we're becoming a mecca for students around the country. My, uh, the person that I'm mentoring at Concordia right now is from, the, from Arizona, and she was very attracted to our area to go to law school. So I think we'll see people like that coming, and perhaps even remaining and, and adding their diverse voices to our legal community. That's really interesting. Things I really needed to ask you about your specialty, and you'd have good insight on that. Um, well, that's that's all my questions for you. Thank you so much for answering them, and I really look forward to the breakfast series. We've got another whole list of good questions. So thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you, Liz. It's been a pleasure. Well, now I'm back in the Idaho Business Review office. Just got done speaking with Kathy Silak as she shared some great insights on the legal field. And now I'm here with Kim Burgess. Now, Kim, I wanted to talk to you because you are an expert in a different field, and your career in journalism has spanned a lot of different roles in several states. I'd love to hear your thoughts on diversity and inclusion in the journalism world. Um, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about your background in journalism? Yeah, you are absolutely right. It is a lot of different roles in a lot of different states. Um, I have been with the Idaho Business Review about two years now. Um, I've also worked previously um, as a reporter at the Albuquerque Journal, where I covered K-12 education for several years, and I was a city editor at a small newspaper in northern Utah, um, which is my home state, so leading a team of news writers at the Herald Journal, which is in Logan, um, the home of Utah State University. So I've been around to, uh, to different places and, you know, seen a lot of different practices, and now I'm thrilled to be here in Idaho. We're glad that you landed here, yeah. Thank you. Um, so my first question for you is, um, why is a diverse staff of reporters and editors like important specifically in the journalism field? Well, it is absolutely important because um, journalists and editors have a really important and powerful job in reporting the stories of their community. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we strive to be impartial and to, you know, not bring bias to our stories, but we all do have a point of view. And you know, we want those diverse points of view included in our in our news coverage. And um, you know, example in in Albuquerque, uh, there are many uh, Hispanic leaders in the journalism community, which is very critical. It's a majority Hispanic state, and having people out there who can speak Spanish, who can um, you know address the stories of that community was very important and I was you know I was really thrilled with uh, how Albuquerque Journal you know, did such a great job with 
recruiting and promoting um, Hispanic journalists from the community. Yeah, that's really important. How did you notice that, you know, these businesses you've worked in that have made good efforts at diversity inclusion in their workplace, what kind of effect did it have on the culture of the workplace? Well, I want to um, really also highlight um, my previous boss here at the Idaho Business Review, Ann Wallace-Allen. Ann, I love Ann. <laughs> yeah, she, she was um, really instrumental in me getting this position, you know, following her footsteps. And I remember... Um, I had I had come to Idaho Business Review in a different role, and then Anne landed a great new job, and she came to me and said the editor position was open, and she was going to advocate for me to get it, and I was just you know I was in that mode of like thinking of every reason I couldn't do it, like really? I, I'm too new, I you know I've just just learned about Idaho, I you know I don't have enough experience. I was thinking of every reason it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And Anne said to me, you know, women, they tend to like put themselves down and think about, you know, why, you know, why I can't do it. And, you know, think about the reasons that you can do it and don't, you know, don't put yourself down and I think you can do it. And it was her pep talk that got me to go forward with the position. And I'm so glad that I did. You know, I, I you know, took that chance and, you know, pushed myself forward and got out of my comfort zone and took this editor role. And it was thanks to Anne kind of being a champion for me at that Mm -hmm. moment when I was, you know, kind of like a naysayer about, you know, can I really do this? And I think to me, that is so much of what diversity and inclusion is about. It's not just about do we have people from different backgrounds just in our office? It's are we championing those people? Are Mm -hmm. we telling them you can be a leader? You know, you can do this. Um, You have leadership ability. So I think... um, that's what it's really all about. It's about being an advocate for people with different backgrounds. Yeah, it doesn't just stop at the hiring, does it? Uh, right, absolutely. It's about mentorship and giving giving people opportunities. That's cool. It's neat to hear that story about Anne. Um, when I was hired here by Anne too, and I was a 23-year-old kid at the time, and she would say the exact same thing to me. You're not a kid, Liz. Like, you can do this. And she gave me that same pep talk, and it, it meant a lot to me. That's and great. I get it from you guys, too. But um, yeah, I, I feel like she had a big impact on, on a lot of us just in little ways like that. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's cool to hear that that is definitely a huge part of workplace culture. Um, so to kind of dial back a little bit, you know, so how is working in Idaho different, differed from working in other states? Well, I would say a great advantage of Idaho. I think it's a very tight knit community here. Um, I think it's very friendly, very warm. You know, you go out to an event in Idaho, you know, you see somebody you know, and they want to introduce you to somebody they know, and yeah. it's, you know, it's it's a, a tight network here. Um, so that's one of the great things about Idaho, that it is, you know, that friendly, welcoming culture. I think a lot of people comment on that, you know, Boise kind, you know, letting people in in traffic and you know, being friendly and being um, open to people. And that's definitely, um, that's definitely something I've noticed here. So what successful efforts to create an inclusive work culture have you observed in Idaho businesses? We recently actually had a story in the Idaho Business Review about parental leave and that being a big trend, both in private industry and in the government sector. I know the the governor has been um, really advancing that recently with paid parental leave. Uh, a number of the really prominent companies in Idaho have blazed the trail on that with um, Micron. Uh, there's a local 
law firm here, um, Smith and Malik, that has really put forth for parental leave, you know, dads getting leave. And mm-hmm. that is a really attractive benefit, I think, for, um, you know, creating an inclusive workplace where you can be a working parent and, you know, see a, see a way that you can balance it all yeah, and, sure. and make it happen. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Idaho Women's Business Center, which uh, relaunched um, fairly recently and has a real push to also reach women in the more rural parts of the state where there can be fewer resources, you know, just harder to make the contacts you need to open a business or expand your business. And they're really doing a lot in that space. And I'm excited to see what they do next. It is exciting. It's interesting. It kind of comes back to your original point about mentoring, you know, just not even just like going outside and finding outside talent, but like just developing the talent we have and championing them. And it feels like that's what the Women's Business Center is doing, you know, a lot of businesses are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, Idaho is really kind of hitting a critical mass with, you know, looking for, for ways to do that, looking for ways to develop talent and advocate for, um, you know, diverse talent. I know uh, Micron and Zions Bank also recently hired diversity officers who mm-hmm. are working within the company um, on the company culture and, you know, leading the way with um, advancing people from diverse backgrounds. So that's great to see also. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for the breakfast series. I know you are too. Um, So yeah, so see us there, all you listeners, on February 11th to hear from our um, other experts on our panel and from Kathy again. And just say hi to Kim and I. We'll be there.